Amen. Well, I'm really excited to share with you this morning. We're going to have a good time. If you have a Bible, you can open it up to Ephesians 1. Uh, fair warning, this is going to be one of those wilder meetings, all right? Yeah. So there's a, there's a, there, the Bible says that uh, <laughs> the, the Word of God is like bread and that the Spirit of God is like wine, which means there's a time to dr- eat bread and there's a time to drink the wine. And uh, today is a day to drink the wine. So sometimes that causes people to act a little bit weird, but we aren't concerned about any of that, all right? I'm not going to shut down the move of God because uh, we're scared about being misunderstood. Now, it's never, our, it's never our goal to be weird for the sake of being weird or, or anything like that, but uh, we're a church driven by the, the passionate desire to see God face to face and to see His kingdom down here on the earth, and that requires us to um, encounter Him in real ways, and that's kind of what we're going to do and talk about Today, I've, I've only got one point, so I'm going to make it first, and then I'm just going to talk to you about different things for a little bit, and then we're going to end early, and I'm going to pray for a whole bunch of people, yeah. and it's going, to be, it's going to be, somebody's already excited, so it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, here's the point, okay? The point is this, we need a revelation of what God has already placed on the inside of us so that it can come out. That's the point. I need to clearly understand what God has already deposited by His grace and by His Spirit on the inside of me so that I can see that manifest in the world around me. It's all well and good. My son, he was so excited. He loves Jesus. And we were talking to him yesterday, my wife was, about, and he was saying, Jesus died for me and now he lives in me and he's never, ever, ever, ever going to leave. And I'm, thank God, all right, he's four years old. He gets it. But, but the deal is, it doesn't, it doesn't do me a lot of good to have, I mean, it does me good to have Jesus in here. That's going to get me to heaven, right? But as for my life right down here, He can be in here and yet not ever affect anything around me. This is very true. We've all all been there. I I know I'm still looking for more. And and I've seen so many awesome things happen. I'm so thankful. Josh called me this week. It was really encouraging. He was just talking to me about uh, the things he's believing for for the church. And we were talking about the things we've already seen and remembering stuff. And I think it was our very first service. Uh, Josh, somebody saw somebody's deaf ear opened and... Uh, you know, we've seen uh, people healed of incurable diseases, and um, uh, just the other week somebody came and, and they had an uh, arterial blockage in their heart, and it looked like they'd had a heart attack, and, and we prayed for them, and they went back to the doctor, and the doctor said, you don't have any arterial blockage, you don't have any, any signs of a heart attack. And, you know, I'm just thankful for all these things. I'm thankful the people we've seen born again. I'm thankful somebody sent us a message the other day and said, you know what, I got, I got healed of anxiety, and I got off my anxiety medication. And, and all these kinds of things have, have happened, and we're so thankful uh, for that. But there's still problems in the world. There's still problems in the church. There's still problems in my own life. And I know that the answer is in here. 
it's, it's Jesus in me, and I've got to get what's on the inside of me to come out more and more. How many of you sign up for that? He can fix problems. He can, he can heal bodies, but he can do more than that. He can heal marriages. He can heal relationships. He can bring uh, lost family members back to Jesus. He can do all these things. And, and what's required is not that we get something more from God, but that we get a clear revelation of what we have already been given. And um, so let's just look at a couple of scriptures real quickly. You know, Romans 8, 11 says that if the spirit of Christ, that, excuse me, if the spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, he will also quicken your mortal bodies. That means that the, the resurrection power of Jesus already lives on the inside of you. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in here. So everybody say this with me. I am packing. I am dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. You are, whether you realize it or not. You're a danger to the devil. You know, the devil killed Jesus. and, and Well, actually, Jesus gave up his life. But the devil thought he'd killed him. And he thought, wow, I'm glad that's over with. Jesus was wreaking havoc down here. All these, I, you know, he ruined all these funerals. He, he got, the devil made all these people sick and Jesus healed them. He was messing up the devil's plan. And then Jesus rose from the dead and he commissioned all these people in the upper room. And all of a sudden there wasn't just one spirit-filled person on the planet. There were hundreds of them and then thousands and now millions. And the statistics say that there's going to be by 20, I think it's 2050, about a billion spirit-filled charismatic believers on the planet. That's wild. Do you know that there's more people being healed today and supernaturally touched by God than at any time in human history? You know, people talk a lot about how they're waiting for the last day's revival. Look, it's already happening. It's already going on. The issue is not whether or not God's doing it. It's whether or not we want to partner with him to do our part. And that's, that's what we're about. We just, want to, we just want to know what our part is and do what God's called us to do to be part of that. Well, Paul prayed in Ephesians 1, verses 16 through 20. And we'll just read a little bit of this. That people would get a revelation of what was already on the inside of them. And so Paul says... I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, that the eyes of your understanding would be enlightened and that you might know the hope of his calling, what the riches of the glory of his inheritance is in the saints, and what the exceeding greatness of his power to us were who believe, which is like the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead, and set him at his own right hand. You'll notice it says right there in verse 19 that his power is already working on our behalf. The issue is we need a revelation of it. The table's already set. The Bible says he prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. The table's already there. The issue is the blinders have got to come off so I can see it so I'll eat. And if I eat, if I experience God in a tangible way, it'll shift something on the inside of me and allow more of God to flow out. 
And this is really the issue. The Bible teaches us that we are a spirit, soul, and body. And, I, I, you know, we've talked about this before. A lot of you guys know this. I don't want to go into it in depth. But 1 John 2, 27 says that the anointing you've received of him abides in you. When I found this scripture, I really quit stressing out. Because as a preacher, I always thought, man, i got to make sure I get anointed before I go preach this message. And I hope, I hope the anointing doesn't leave me. And that's what David prayed. But we have a different covenant than David. The anointing might have left David, but the anointing that's in me, it abides in me forever. Amen. It abides in you. Yes. It's in you. The Spirit of God is always in you. Uh-huh. But, there's always a but, <laughs> is he coming out? That's the question. And see, where does the Spirit of God live? Well, the, the Bible shows us in the Old Testament, 2 Chronicles 5, that the temple had three parts, the Holy of Holies, the Holy Place, and the Outer Court. It's like your spirit, soul, and body. They took the Ark of the Covenant and they put it in the innermost place, And that's where God lived permanently. But in 2 Chronicles 5 and in 2 Chronicles 7, they worshipped, just like we were doing this morning, and it says the Spirit of God filled the temple, flowed outward from the Holy of Holies into the Holy of Place and into the, the outer court. Well... What's that a picture of? It's a picture of what can happen in your own life when you, when you worship God, when you get your soul into alignment with your spirit and you let what's in you flow out. Amen. Here's the deal. Our soul is like our mind, our will, and our emotions. And so how we think and how we feel and our decisions, they can... They can look at Josh. Good job, brother. I didn't know we had that up there. That's... <laughs> That's really cool. <laughs> what's, what's in my soul can hinder what's in my spirit from coming out, or it can assist it. Amen. And this is, you know, there's different models and things. Some of my grace uh, buddies have challenged this whole deal. And, and look, I, I'm more of a pragmatist, okay? And what I know is this, is that sometimes God isn't coming out of me. Can anybody acknowledge that? <laughs> Just being real, all right? And sometimes he is. And what I've noticed is that, that the, the amount of the anointing that's flowing out of me, it has a lot to do with what I'm thinking about, what I'm feeling in my heart, and the decisions that I make. And so I can make a practical decision to choose to release the power of God. And I heard people talk about this for a long time, and I was like, I want to do that. <laughs> and it's kind of, and I'll talk more about this at some other point, but what we're going to do today is it, it can help you do that. It's, it's not a shortcut, but it can help you practice. But it's fascinating the way that, you know, sometimes when you have services like this, people say, well, you guys, you charismaniacs, you just end all this emotionalism. And, and look, uh, I'm, I'm, into, I'm into my emotions, I'm into my brain, I'm into a whole bunch of stuff. The reason sometimes people get overwhelmed by their emotions when they're, when they're being touched by God, first of all, is because he's God. All right, but second of all, sometimes it's because he's healing your emotions and you've got to get your heart fixed so that, so that the power of God can flow out of you. 
I did a service like this I told you about back in, in Colorado Springs about a month ago. And when I was doing it, actually, I felt like God challenged me to come back here and, and do one. And we've done ones here. But I felt God say, you know, don't hold back. And I was like, I didn't think I was holding back. And he's like, well, really don't hold back. And I'm like, oh, all right, you asked for it. So, but anyway, I grabbed this guy and, and I, he's like, pray for me. And so I'm, I'm. Sure, I'd prayed for well, a told ton of people. He was like the last person. And I started praying for him. And he just started sobbing really violently. And I started to cry with him. And then we both fell over. And then we're both like yelling, like in agony. Ah! And it was really intense. And you might think that's weird. But God was healing that man's emotions. And I, I found out later he'd just gone through a terrible season in his marriage. And afterwards, him and his wife were up here on this altar like cuddling in the, in the presence of God. It was one of the most beautiful things I'd ever seen. And I guarantee you that fixed something in him that's going to allow the power of God and the love of God to flow out of him in a more powerful way. So what I've learned is that, you know, we've got to renew our minds, and Romans 12, 2 teaches us this, but I think we have a misconception about what that's about. You know, it says, i got to renew my mind, and people think, well, i got to fill my mind with all these scriptural facts. And scriptural facts are great. They can help you with Bible Jeopardy. My wife and I like playing, <laughs> playing Bible Jeopardy on, on Alexa. You know that. We've got, if, you have, if you have one of those Amazons, you know, she does Jeopardy. The Bible questions are always so easy. And... I mean, you know, if you've read the Bible, they're pretty easy. But, but the deal is, knowing Bible facts is not renewing my mind. It's, it's helpful. But renewing my mind is when I actually think like God. Yeah. And what does that? See, this is the thing I didn't really understand for a long time. And, and I knew I had good theology about a lot of things. But if I was honest with myself, like I would pray for stuff and not really expect much to happen just being honest. But something's changed in me. I, I'm going to pray for people in a minute, and stuff's going to happen. I'm, I'm not, I don't have any doubt about that. Um, what's shifted? Well, 2 Corinthians 3.18, this has been our theme verse for this whole, this whole time. Romans 12.2 tells you what to do, but 2 Corinthians 3.18 tells you how to do it. And it says, you, you basically it makes the point that you, Change what you believe by looking at God, Amen. by encountering Him. Having an authentic encounter with Jesus can rewire your emotions. It can rewire your thinking. Can rewire your decision making. It's not. It's not a one size fits all solution. It's not a silver bullet, but it sure does help. If you study historically, anybody that's had. Um, you know, some kind of powerful ministry or something, a lot of times in their history, you know, one of my uh, uh, mentors is Andrew Womack, and he tells his story, March 23rd, 1968. <laughs> he had an encounter with God, which changed his life. He met God. He saw him face to face. And what God showed him was that he loved him unconditionally, not according to his performance. That's a good revelation Amen. right there. How many of you would like to get that revelation? Amen. Well, one of the ways it can happen is through this thing called impartation. Now, 
uh, classical charismatics and, and grace people like myself sometimes argue about this and whether or not you can, you know, all this. Again, I'm, I'm a lot just kind of a pragmatist, okay? And what I've learned is, is that certainly you don't need me to, to lay hands on you to give you something you don't have or, or something like that, okay? It's not about getting something that you don't have, but what I found is, the Bible teaches this, uh, good examples in Acts 19.6. It says, Paul laid his hands on people and the Holy Ghost came on them. Peter and John did this. Uh, all this stuff happened throughout the Bible where they laid hands on people and they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then some sort of manifestation happened. And so uh, you, can, you can have an encounter with God that's sort of triggered by somebody laying hands on you. Now... What's the benefit of that? Well, a bunch of different things, but, but let's look real quickly at Acts 4. I want to read this to you. This is one of my favorite scriptures, Acts 4, 31. So they're having a prayer meeting. This is what I call a good prayer meeting. Yeah. And when they had prayed, verse 31, the place they were in was shaken. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word with boldness. I'll read it again. Let's all read it together. And when they had prayed, the place they were in was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spoke the word with boldness. Those are the same people that were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts 2. not a one-time event. As long as you believe it's a one-time event, you'll limit yourself. You can have as many encounters with the Holy Spirit as you need to fulfill your destiny. So I'm thankful for all the ones that I've had. Man, I've, I've had some awesome things happen to me. I'm really thankful, but I want some more. Well, why does laying hands on people help? <laughs> this is kind of silly, but, but it, once I saw this, it really helped me, okay? Is God, when we bought our house in the fall, God gave us this hot tub in our house. I've never owned one of these before because uh, I, I thought it would be a waste of money. But it's amazing. It helps me calm down when I get in there and de-stress. But this hot tub, it broke, and the guy came out to try to fix it. And I was asking him, how do you drain this thing? How do you get the water that's in there to come out? Really good question, right? There's no drain plug. It's not like a bathtub. How do you get the water that's in there to come out? And he said, well, the easiest way is you get a hose. You stick the hose in the bottom, and you stick the hose up to the faucet. You turn on some water, and you shoot some water into the hot tub. Then you take the hose off, and you go put it on a lower plane. And what this does is it creates a suction that pulls on the water that's already there, and it begins to flow out. This, this well of water, like John 4 says, can transform into a river, like John 7, 38 says. How? Well, one of the, one of the easiest ways that can help you is if somebody, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lay hands on people in a minute, and it's like I'm going to shoot some water into your hot tub. You've already, got, you've, you've already got water in there, all right? I'm not giving you something you don't have, but I can create a suction. I can create an a encounter with God 
which can teach you how to release what's already there. That's what it is. That's how I view impartation. So, Pastor, how do I receive one of these? Well, the easiest thing to do, first of all, is to want one. Nobody's going to force you to do anything. I mean, now if you're in the wrong meeting, I mean, it, you know, <laughs> got to be careful what meeting you come to. But anyway, in general, in general, as a general principle, <laughs> I've heard some testimonies that violate this, but, but God, God's not going to force himself on you, all right? So, so want one. Then you need to reach out in faith for it. What that's going to mean practically is that, that, you know, take a risk and come down here and have somebody pray for you. And then really, you've got to kind of, it's, it's sort of hard to explain this, but in your heart, you've got you've to kind of take a little bit of a risk. My wife describes it like this. One time she was at a service, and a bunch of people were praying for her, you know, filler and all this. And she said, it was like I was on the edge of a pool. And I could see the water, and I could feel something stirring on the inside of my heart. But I was scared. Anybody ever been scared in a, in a situation? I've been church services. I've been scared before. And I don't, I'm not my goal to scare anybody, but sometimes, sometimes that happens if it's something new. And so she's looking, at, and she's like, she's like, felt like I ran to the edge, and then I stopped because I saw the water. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. And then she backed up, and then finally she said, I just jumped in. And, and, you know, there's just, there's just got to be this leap of faith sometimes in our heart where we get out of our head, we get out of reasoning, we get out of trying to figure stuff out, and we just say, God, whatever you want, just, just lay it on me. Yeah. Well, that's a good word. Yeah. <laughs> Let her see. Whatever God starts to do, however small it may seem to you, focus on it and then yield to it. Don't squash it. Now, you can because God loves you and, and, you know, I love you. And we'll do more of these. So nobody panic. That's letter E. Calm down. <laughs> Putting pressure on yourself to receive does not help. Letter D. Set your heart that you'll take what you receive and use it for God. This, this, now, don't, don't, again, don't put pressure on yourself. But there's something about I want to receive so that I can give. The whole point of this deal is so that something can flow out of me. And if you'll, if you'll take what happens to you in a moment and use it for something, you'll, you'll see it increase. So look for somebody to pray for. Look for a relative to reach out to. You know, I did a service like this years ago, and, and I tend to just always think about healing and stuff because that's how I'm wired. But, but God wants to heal relationships. And so this... Lady had God touch her, and then the way she used it was she went and called her, her relatives that she'd been estranged from, and she hadn't talked to in years, and she used the faith from that experience to reach out to them and restore relationship, and it was really powerful. Letter F, don't be offended. You know, Jesus showed up in a way that was different than the Pharisees expected, and therefore they were offended, and they missed God. One time a guy was praying for me in a service. The guy was a pastor. And um, he said, I'm going to pray for you. And I said, great. I love it when people pray for me. And so he, he uh, got me in, in like, he put his forehead on my forehead. And he put his hand behind my head like this. And so he's like, now I'm, gonna, I'm about to pray for you. I'm like, praise Jesus. And, and he's I'm, I'm going to pray for you. And he's like, in all these years, 
of ministry, I have never lacked. Now, how many of you think that's a good promise? So he's like, I'm going to pray this for you that you'll never lack. And I'm like, awesome. Do it. So he starts to pray, and it's pretty intense. You know, he's yelling. He's charismatic and all that. He's yelling, and I'm into it. I don't, I don't you know, I'm, it's hard to weird me out. So then, though, but he's got me like this, and, and he's like, now, here it comes. And he grabs me, and he flips me over his, <laughs> over his legs and suplexes me onto the ground and then lays on top of me, and his face is right here. And I'm like, man, this is intense. <laughs> and he, he continues to pray. And then after a little bit, he gets up off of me and, and it's over. <laughs> now, some of you, if that had happened to you, you'd have been tempted to be pretty offended by that, by that circumstance. Now, let me tell you, I will not do that to anybody, all right? I'm not going to... I'm not going to do any pro wrestling moves on anybody, okay? But I'll tell you this, there's a danger in that circumstance. In my, in my ministry, I've, we've never lacked in this church. Now, I don't know how much of that had to do with that prayer, but I will say this, if I had been offended in that circumstance, in my heart, there would be a danger in me tying that offense to thoughts about God's provision. I'm telling you, it's, it's, a, it's a serious issue. We don't, we don't want to be offended by stuff God does or weird stuff people do. I just, I don't care. I, I really don't. I'm just, I'm, I'm beyond worrying about, uh, uh, you know, what weird stuff people do in the pursuit of Jesus. Now, if it, if it hurts somebody, then we'll try to deal with it, okay? But I'm not, I'm not going to, I'll tell you my friend Brian about this, and Lester Sumrall said this, it's better to have some strange fire than no fire. Sometimes you have to corral the strange fire, but it's better to have it. And then lastly, I'd encourage you, don't, don't pray while somebody else is praying for you. So when I pray for you, there, again, there, it's like water, and a river only flows one direction. So it's, it's easier to receive if you're not, you're not praying also. That's my opinion, and I'm sticking to it. Wow. Who's ready for God to touch him? All right, now look. What's going to happen is I'm going to start praying for people. And I'm going to pray for all of us corporately. So don't prejudge anything. I, you know, one time I did this and a guy afterwards told me he was like, man, God touched me during that. And I said, oh, that's awesome. Why didn't you come forward? And he said, I tried, but I was stuck in my chair. <laughs> So I don't know what's going what's gonna to happen, all right? And I'm not trying to... I, I'm, what I'm interested in is you having a face-to-face -face encounter with God. And I wanted to read to you this story real quickly to build your faith. This is about Smith Wigglesworth. And it talks about this prayer meeting that he was at. It says, There were 11 leading Christians in prayer with our brother, Smith Wigglesworth, at a special afternoon meeting. Each had taken a part 
And Smith, the evangelist, then began to pray for the dominion. And as he continued, each, according to their measure of spirituality, got out. So people started leaving the prayer meeting. The power of God filled the room, and they could not remain in an atmosphere supercharged by the power of God. The author, the person writing this, on hearing of this from one who was present, registered a vow that if the opportunity came, he at any rate would remain whoever else went out. During the stay in the sounds, a special meeting was called to pray for the other towns in New Zealand yet to be visited. A like position to the other now arose. Here was the opportunity, the challenge, the contest was on. A number prayed, and then the old saint began to lift up his voice. And strange as it may seem, the exodus began. A divine influence began to fill the place. The room became holy. The power of God began to feel like a heavy weight. With set chin and a definite, uh, and a definite decision not to budge, the only other one now left in the room hung on and hung on until the pressure became too great and he could no longer stay. With the floodgates of his soul pouring out a stream of tears and with uncontrollable sobbing, he had to get out or die. And a man who knew God as few do was left alone, immersed in an atmosphere few men could breathe in. I don't know about you, but that makes me hungry. That makes me hungry. I've been in some wild meetings. I've been in a meeting I've had to crawl out of. But I want to see more of that. I, I, I'm down for that challenge. I would maybe express some of the theology there differently, okay? But the issue is the manifest presence of God and the reality that He wants to fill this place and fill you in a practical way. So I read that to build your faith. Let's all stand up. I'm going to start to pray for everybody. When you feel God begin to touch you, you might feel a heaviness like they're talking about in this store. You might feel electricity or fire. You might start to laugh or cry. You might start to feel your heart move in a, in a violent way. I don't know. But whenever you start to feel God touch you, come down here quickly. I'd, hurry, I'd encourage you to hurry. The faster you come, the more God will touch you. Come down here, and I'll start to lay hands on people. But I'm going to just make a line, and we're going to have people catch and stuff. Holy Spirit, right now, in Jesus' name, let your fire come. Let your glory come right now. Let the power of God fill this room right now. We believe you for encounter. We believe you for your glory. Come spread out right down here in front. Right down here in front as God touches you. More. 